Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. It is time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. This is episode number one. 54 recording this live bright early on saturday november 2nd 2013 my name is rob woodbridge from untether.tv located in downtown ottawa ontario canada with me as always yes asif khan from the location-based marketing association back home in toronto for a day this is saturday morning super early and then i'm gone again tomorrow but uh yeah, man. It's uh, and yes, I have a big honking microphone in front of me. So. Oh, listen to this, folks! Listen to the audio quality of this. I convinced I convinced Asif to go and buy a mic, and it's the greatest thing ever. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Where are you heading tomorrow? Like you're heading, you're just back from. I'm he I'm, I'm heading down to uh, Boca Raton actually for uh, oh, a couple of days for a conference where I actually get to be the buyer. It's a conference for people who run industry associations and all the people who want to sell us stuff like webinar software and conference calling this and yeah and and a lot of venues actually a lot of hotel and resort people they're trying to pitch us uh, their venues for events and conferences and yeah so I get to sit around and, and be, be sold. sold to holy yeah yeah you know I don't so. know many people who would, I, like do you go down there just to find the latest in technology or best deals in venues that's the kind of thing that you yeah, that's basically what it is. So it's, uh, yeah. And do you get like a free condo week stay or something like that for doing that? It, it's all paid for. It's like uh, it's all Come set up. Like on. they bring they bring you down there, and uh, and the idea is all these vendors are trying to pitch you. That's wicked. How do I get so, involved in that free trip to Boca? I'll take it. Exactly. Exactly. So. Well, you were just uh, yeah. So you were just in Chicago, man, and and uh, so you just came back from Ramp. Talk about Ramp, and uh, and how was it this year? And uh, you know what? You know, I, I mean, without Melissa, did it? Uh, you were the MC. Talk about this. Yeah, so I actually, I, I mean, it, it was obviously very difficult uh, without Melissa. She was, you know, the the energy and the creator uh, and everything really uh, around that event. Um, so I, uh, yes, yeah, so I did get to, I didn't MC the whole show. I ended up, uh, my buddy, uh, Trip Sessions, um, who's one of the other members did a lot of it, but, uh, I did do the, uh, the opening, uh, welcome and the memorial piece and there's a little memorial video and some, some tears were flying in the room and things like that. So that was, that was difficult, but, uh, it was a great show, uh, very well attended, uh, all things considered, um, and you know some very good content uh, in terms of uh, diversity of sessions and, and, and folks there, and a lot of a lot of great retailers, as you would expect uh, in the room. So I'm excited about it, and uh, you know I think there's there's a an interesting future ahead for Ramp. That's all I can say right now. So. Oh, I love it, shrouded in mystery. All right, I, yeah. I ask this every year because we've been doing this now for so many years, Steve. Um, retailers, are they starting? Like you know, so I think three years ago it was like fear like deer in the cotton headlights and then last year you said that they were starting to transition and they were starting to embrace this and there was a good percentage that were starting to get this and and i mean based on the conversations that i have with you every week and the conversations that i have with chuck martin uh, you know every week uh it seems that retail is now chugging along the retailers are starting to understand the importance of what this means mobile location uh, marketing means is that a good assumption here from what you saw there yeah absolutely i th you know i talked to 
folks I know well. I talked to folks, you know, new retail folks that I hadn't met before. Um, and I think generally I can say that, uh, you know, they're, they're all at various levels of implementation and pilots and trialing yeah. stuff. Uh, that's very obvious. Uh, and if they're not, they're they're absolutely, you know, gearing up to, to do so. Um, met with, you know, several uh, interesting new companies that I hadn't talked to before. Companies like BJ's Wholesale, which is... Uh, you know the equivalent of a Costco or Sam's Club um, type company. You know they're very interested in technology. You talk to a guy from uh, called Mapco Express, which is a uh, convenience gas retailer um, that was there uh, from the southeast U.S. You know they're trying to figure out their digital strategy right now, and they understand this stuff's really important. And it's interesting. It's 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 mobile. It's location. It's loyalty, it's payments, it's all of that coming together, and everybody understands that it's not. We can't just do one or the other. We got to figure out a, an overall strategy that that brings that together. So yeah, yeah. You know, I think that um, we we talk about this quite a bit, but I think now they're starting to get it. And and you know, some of the stats that Chuck Martin brings up, you know, where there's a ridiculous stat that something like uh, you know, there's actually a huge percentage, forty to forty five percent of retailers don't think that mobile is going to have an influence on this year's Christmas uh, sales, right? So I think that there's still yeah. some work to do. But I think we're entering this stage where there's going to be a, a ton of investment in this, you know, in infrastructure and in software development and in, in testing and hypotheses. Uh, and and uh, so, I, you know, it's kind of like this. There's going to be a lot of money put into it and not a lot of gains. And I think that only the strong willed will come out of this, you know, well to do and positioned well, maybe in a year or two down the road. But this is where it's the massive investment piece that that, that worries me about the retailers, because I think that they get into it, like you said, all those pieces, and yep. but they have to spend the money to be able to get going in this. And, and some of them are so far behind. For sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's tough. I think the tough part is figuring out where to start, right? And yeah. I think for a lot of these guys, it's, you know, they see all the stuff, they see the case studies, the examples, and they're like, wow, yeah, yeah, we can do that. But then it's like, oh, well, we need to go back and look at what we already got, figure out what, you know, where the easy wins are, uh, and start to build some strategy around that. So, anyways, there, Very cool. it, was, it was a great event. And there's a couple interesting events coming up in the next little while. So, you know, not bulk, obviously, but uh, later later this coming week on, on Thursday, the 7th of November, uh, I'll be in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, uh, for the Advertising Club of Edmonton's uh, uh, meetup. That's looking like it's going to be a great event. There's already like a couple hundred people, uh, I think, signed up for that. So, uh, so if you're in Edmonton, come out. That's the evening of the 7th, Advertising Club of Edmonton. Check it out. And then the following thir uh, Thursday, the 14th, we have two LBMA events happening the same night, one in, in Atlanta uh, with our chapter there. And that's an interesting one. That's a, an event that's focused on location as it relates to travel and tourism industry. Uh, so Jonathan Stevens, Blue Airlines, uh, as well as Lisa West from Intercontinental Hotels uh, will be the kind of headline uh, speakers. It's more of a fireside chat type of format, but the two of them are, are the ones that are uh, you know, uh, the content for that. Uh, and then the same evening in Singapore, our chapter over there is hosting uh, the next LBMA uh, meetup over there. So uh, lots going on. Uh, it's still, still, we're still in the the busy time. So, you know, yeah. there's somebody that you should talk to. I mean, we featured him here. Um, he was using a, the arrival of software, Dave Rush, um, mm -hmm. who is uh, the director of marketing for uh, Atlantic City. 
the ACCVA. And uh, this guy is, I mean, mentioned him when he, when he was a guest on the show. I've just posted the, the episode up on Untether.tv this past week. And, and like he, he is the going to be the prototypical uh, city marketer, right? Because right. when it comes to tourism, because he has a, a baked strategy for attracting people from, you know, New York and Philadelphia in other parts of New Jersey and even outside of Atlantic City and, and then he goes out and then he's got and he uses mobile for that and then he uses email and and print I mean it, it is the, it is an unbelievable process that he goes through I'm so impressed with this guy and he used Xtify uses uh, you know arrivalist and if you're ever going to bring somebody into an event like that even you know another Atlanta event or somewhere he is a guy that should talk because I believe right. that he is way ahead of everybody else that is doing this for the cities and uh, especially tourist locations and so dave is an amazing amazing mind to, to tap for this kind of stuff so keep that in mind to see because i will do blown away yeah. by this guy blown away so and then so the one uh, that that's in atlanta on 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 the 14th right yes wow wow I don't know. And you know what you could almost do this like the singapore atlanta like couldn't you leave atlanta after that event and get to singapore <laughs> no, no you couldn't you go to singapore first and then atlanta right uh yeah. 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 Not sure I would want to do that. But right. anyways. Well, um, you know, I have, I have one thing. I was in an event uh, yesterday, which would have been Friday. It was a TyCon Canada. Ty is the Indus Entrepreneur Network. And it's, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, it's a huge international network that supports uh, entrepreneurs around the world. And uh, I was, uh, there was something that inspired me so much. Uh, maybe you've heard of this guy. Uh, he's based out of Toronto. He's a Canadian. Um, his name is Sunit Singh Thule. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Datawind. And these are the guys that are building the $50 tablet uh, for India to start with. And uh, and he wants to equip uh, underprivileged or uh, uneducated um, or people who can't afford, who have never been educated in developing or emerging economies. He wants to equip 3 billion of these uh, of these uh, kids and, uh, and early teens with tablets, $50 affordable tablets. And uh, this is one of these moments where you look up and you think, oh, like he's changing the world and, mm. and the impact that he's going to have on the 250 million students right now that already have these tablets and, and are being rolled out um, that have never been able to learn or have never been able to connect. And, and uh, so like I just, his, the, uh, the tablet is the Akash. Uh, it's also called the Ubi Slate. And it's uh, like, this is something, if you can't just go to datawin.com, understand what this guy's doing. He is a Canadian and he is about to uh, disrupt and uh, like, I, I don't know, prop up, India is huge. 1.1 billion people. They have a 30% literacy rate. That's what their literacy rate is. Still huge. 300 million people plus. Right. But 70%. And there are people in small rural villages that have never been educated. Their parents have ne never been educated. And they're attacking that challenge, which is how to teach kids to learn who have never in their entire history, their family's history, have never been taught before. And so, uh, you know, I, I look at some uh, people like that, like Sunita, and uh, I was absolutely blown away by this guy and his story and what he's trying to do. And the fact that uh, many elections, like in Uttar Pradesh, which is a province in India, is like the leaders were elected based on the fact that they said, and we'll give you a tablet. That's literally how they got elected. And he is the guy that's providing that for $50, mm. less than $50. And from a specs standpoint, it is a, uh, the processor capabilities are on par with an iPad. He's not competing with the iPad. Uh, and, you know, uh, and storage and RAM is on, on spec with the iPad. 
Uh, it just doesn't have the great screen in the ecosystem. But uh, right. opportunities for you guys who are listening to this, I know I'm rambling about this, but it's so amazing, is that they're looking for developers to start developing for this platform. And if you can start to think about the mass rollout of something like this, uh, my goodness, the opportunities are abound. So check out Datawind, and and it was so inspiring. And uh, if, if you have heard of, of, of Sunit and this plight, um, you know, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, go find a, one of his presentations or his speeches, and you'll you'll be inspired immediately. Wow, cool! All right, that was a long introduction. Why don't we <laughs> we jump into this? I got a uh, I, I, we got a huge show. Uh, great, 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 great uh, guest in uh, Pete Erickson, who's the founder of Modev and uh, Disruptathon. Uh, you got to sit down with him. We got a resource of the week. I'm going to start here with uh, Chuck Martin. Really very relevant. Uh, here's a mobile minute where we talk about in-store targeting and how it moves merchandise. This is obviously very important. As the CFU have said, this is the next, what, quadrillion dollar industry, which is in-store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So here is uh, Chuck talking about in-store targeting and how it moves merchandise. Welcome back to another Mobile Minute. It seems that there isn't a person on this planet, on this planet, that carries a mobile device that wants to talk to a salesperson on the floor of a store. Is that true? <laughs> well, a new study by a company called Research Now shows that while a third of women shoppers uh, like to be reminded uh, of an in-store sale by a sales associate, 58% would rather be, would they be thrilled if they got one on their smartphone while in the store. So they really, they really want the, the deal through their phone. And now th this company, Squirrel, a Boston-based company where, where I am, they, they basically sponsored the research. They've now got a nation, national platform for retailers to basically to do these personalized content kinds of things. And they rolled this out earlier with Kenneth Coles, big brands, Timberland, uh, Alex Annie, uh, and, and they showed a 75% open rate. I mean, that's like off the charts. I mean, 75% open rate? That's really kind of astounding. And now they're rolling this out nationwide. So we're, we're going to start to see this extreme targeting in terms of deals because we know from many, many studies, pretty much every study that's done in the category, that consumers really, they will move for a deal. They, they do want a deal. They want a coupon. They want, they, want, they want an offer of something of value while they're shopping. And now this is sort of getting closer to that, to that ability, if you will. I've often said that everybody has a price, right? They're willing to give up a little bit of their privacy for something. And another study that you quoted in an article recently said that, is that people are willing to give their location up for a little bit of a discount. Yes, and different people want, will do it for different amounts of discount. So there's nothing that's really kind of a broad stroke here. It's really sort of different strokes for different folks, if you will. So it's gonna depend on sort of targeting every customer one at a time. And that was Chuck Martin with our Mobile Minute. As I keep saying, you can subscribe to those Mobile Minutes uh, separately from all of the other podcasts uh, just through on Tether.tv. Just look at the Mobile Minute a little bit uh, down the page on, on that website. But I appreciate him doing this with me because it's so in insightful and uh, for allow him allowing us to use this on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. All right. Asif, you picked out an app this week. We have an app, folks. We have an app. We have an app. It's called Findery, uh, and it's created by Katarina Fake, who is one of the original founders of Flickr. 
So no uh, no slouch when it comes to uh, to building great things. Um, so Findery is sort of described as an augmented location uh, discovery app that's kind of like Google's field trip that we've talked about before. So it's about you know uh, annotating the world around you, leaving notes uh, for people to discover about what's happening near them. Um, and uh, this thing was launched in Australia. Actually, it, it, it's it's existed for a while as a as a website, uh, as a service, you know, on, on, online. But uh, as an app, it, it's relatively new. It's iOS only at the moment. Android's coming. Um, but basically, um, you know, it's there and and it was launched in Australia and and, and it's going to be rolled out to other parts of the world. Uh, I mean, it's already in some other parts of the world, but uh, going global. And uh, really about just, you know, as I said, annotating the world around you, you know, allowing people to leave notes and, and interesting tidbits and, and his, historical facts and comments around th things around them. Well, we both love these kind of things, right? Yes. Uh, you know, capturing history and uh, in the location that it happens. And uh, I even, you know, it's on the website earlier on at uh, findery.com. You can see a map of all of the, the things uh, that people have tagged. And uh, there was actually one for Ottawa. Hmm. Which is like, which is a rarity, man. But um, you know, it was about uh, the tulip festival and how uh, the Dutch gave Canada, you know, a, a bunch of uh, tulip bulbs uh, because yes. we housed, a, you know, the uh, Dutch princess during the uh, Second World War, and uh, and one actually one of their children were born here in Ottawa, and uh, and so as a thank you, we were. This is how Canada has a tulip festival as a result, or Ottawa has a tulip festival as a result of uh, of this as a commemorative to that. And it was it was. I like this. I like this a lot. So you can find it at findery.com and um, go and share your story. And your kids would love it and their kids would love it as well. Cool. There you go. Yeah, one of the ones, um, I looked at it quickly as well. And I, mean, I won't dwell on this because we got a big show today. But uh, the um, there were some notes in downtown Toronto about uh, when Hemingway was, was living here and writing for the Toronto Star. Uh, and a bunch of things around that. So, I mean, absolutely. I love this kind Very of cool. historical view, uh, you know, uh, tag to these things. So, yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, check out your town, findery.com. Findery.com. Ottawa has something in there. Go, Ottawa. Yes. Who got pummeled in hockey again last night? All right. Never mind. Okay. So, our first, uh, our first story here, our first official story, that is, is about a company called Spindle. Uh, we've talked about these guys uh, once before, I believe. They are a mobile payments uh, commerce solution company. And they've signed a deal with Multimax, which is a company that, uh, if you work in any of those office towers and you've seen coffee machines in the, in the cafeteria area, where you pop in your K-cup or your whatever, um, you know, it's those vending machines for coffee uh, is what Multimax, uh, and, well, not just coffee, but primarily coffee, uh, has been known for. And so what these guys have done is they've got a, a product called Me Network, which is, is their mobile commerce technology, and they've now applied that to these vending machines. And for me, I like this because, you know, for me, it's a struggle to find a use case for mobile payments and commerce technology that is, you know, easier, better, more convenient than, you know, my credit card or, you know, stuff that just works that I'm used to. Um, but when you're talking about little microtransactions like this, you know, like paying for a coffee uh, or a bag of chips or whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, we don't, you know, we don't like carrying a lot of change around with us. You know, you don't really want to use a credit card for, you know, something that's going to cost you, you know, a buck twenty-five. Uh, so tying it in with something like this where, you know, I can use my phone and I can have that sort of simple, com uh, you know, commerce transaction happen makes sense uh, in this environment. So, so I like this. 
Um, and the other piece I like about it is is that um, again, what consumer doesn't see is is they've teamed up with a company called Cardis USA uh, to, for the actual processing, the transaction processing piece. And what's nice about this is they're actually saving the merchant money here because they're not trying to uh, take a fee on every transaction. They actually bulk them together in volume across multiple locations uh, and submit that as one bigger transaction to reduce the, the transaction fee uh, piece around this. That's very so cool. So I like that too. Yeah, that's very cool. And yeah, because you, you, you know a lot of uh, a lot of transactions uh, is is prohibitive because it cuts right into the profit margins for a lot yep. of these guys, and they're very low. So that's a great yeah. Finally, a use. I mean, that and parking, right? Like those are the kind of things, yes. like you know, on street parking that that you know, I think that that's where you get the slow adoption, right? At that pain point, and then and then maybe you start to move into uh, into other areas, but. Uh, you know, that's uh, I often don't have change because I'm Canadian. I don't carry any damn like currency, real hard currency. So I think this is good. Mm -hmm. Very cool. There you go. All right, our second story, uh, Mozilla. This uh, this company, uh, you know, they, they launched a location-based service. Uh, you can find it at location.services.mozilla.com. That's location.services.mozilla.com. And uh, they've they labeled this an experimental pilot project to provide geolocation lookups based on publicly available cell, tower, and Wi-Fi access points. Um, and I think that this is, this is really interesting because they're trying to basically build... A, an open source database of location. Uh, and they say that they're going to use it for, uh, you know, um, helping people with uh, no GPS or uh, limited GPS or limited GPS signal and laptops without GPS or devices without GPS that can use this service to quickly identify their approximate location. Um, and they're doing this, they're asking the public right now to download their Android app, Moz Stumbler, and uh, really, really, really help actually uh, pinpoint locations. So tag your locations and, and they'll do the rest of it. But they're ad ad asking us to contribute to this location database. And uh, this, this sounds very familiar, but it's, I, I like this idea because we don't really have, there's another one, uh, it's in Europe, uh, which is the open uh, WLAN map, and it's a free alter mm -hmm. alternative. It's kind of, it's very, very similar um, to many commercial offerings, including Google. Um, and uh, so, and it has many, 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 many points, more points uh, of interest or data that's in the database. But uh, this is, uh, you know, maybe they should combine and come up with something that is actually uh, competitive to something like Google. And then Mozilla is actually opening up an API so that you can leverage this data in your own applications, which I think we, we need, right? Yeah, absolutely. There, uh, I was looking at some of the some of the stats in this. There's already about six million uh, plus Points. locations yeah. in this thing. Uh, over uh, three, uh, well, is it three? Yeah, oh, just uh, almost four four million cell uh, locations tracked in this thing. Uh, so this is pretty cool. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Skyhook, actually, in some respects. So Skyhook Wireless, uh, which is uh, purely on the Wi-Fi side. Uh, but in terms of providing that sort of uh, database of, of Wi-Fi locations to assist uh, loca uh, location lookup from a GPS perspective, as you already alluded to. So, yeah, I think, you know, more is better uh, in this world uh, in terms of, you know, this kind of stuff. And especially when it's open source and, and people can contribute to it. I'm not sure. I, I mean, it, it's a tough thing because you got to figure out, in the end, I mean, Mozilla is, is the open source company. I mean, it, it, they've always been that, right, you know, from the browser you know the code around that um you, you know and allowing people to contribute and and write you know uh add-ons and all that kind of stuff 
uh, to that environment and 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 now obviously with location so so I make this makes complete sense to me for for them um, but you know what what you know obviously they're not looking to sell this thing like locationary did to Apple or you know those kinds of things so so I guess there doesn't need to be any real motivation for the consumer other than we're contributing to the to the greater good yeah and competition is good Competition is good, right? And you've got all of the big guys playing in the space, and why not do this? And it was Open Geo, right? Is that the one that I'm thinking about, or uh, what was the one that was bought by Urban uh, Airship? Simple Geo. Simple, Simple Geo. Geo. Yeah, and that was the concept, and they were bought by Urban Airship a couple of years ago, yep. and it's taken this, you know. I, I, and now I know that Open W Landmap um, has been doing this for a little bit longer, so you know we need to fill in that space, and you know I think that you start to think about these big companies that own all of this data like Google and like Apple and like Nokia and and um, at some point th these become commercial vehicles for them and at some point we need an alternative to that uh, if, if you want to mm -hmm. remain pure and clean and and uh, not feel dirty about using that data and so maybe this is it but you can check them out as I said location.services.mozilla.com or and you can also check out the open w land map at openwlandmap.org um, and uh, just hit your google translate there in chrome and you'll be able to understand what those guys are doing so uh, you know alternatives are great competition are great free is amazing apis are incredible so um and uh, driven by mozilla uh you know deserves the uh you know your attention and if they had an iphone uh, application i would uh, contribute to this but they don't so uh, i can't all right awesome all right number three Number three, very cool. I suppose, Asif, right? <laughs> this is uh, coming to us from uh, Tide, the uh, laundry detergent that you love, you, you you come to love, um, and uh, basically uh, they're uh, doing an interesting kind of Halloween-oriented campaign, uh, you could call this, and uh, it, it's about taking. Um, Content being generated on Vine, uh, you know, so, some Vine videos which Twitter owns, uh, and uh, pushing that content into digital out of home uh, billboards uh, in, in in major markets. And um, so, this, I think it's eleven markets they're running, um, and it's uh, it's over the Halloween period, so which is which is just wrapping up now. But basically. Um, 6.5 second long videos which is which is the vine piece um, really cool I mean you've got a bunch of them I think you're gonna show in, in a second um, and I guess what the reason I brought this story forward is you know I'm a big proponent of you know multi-screen you know multi-channel engagement you know I don't believe in you know let's just do online and let's just do mobile and let's just do digital out of home let's find ways to bring these things together so they've, they've attempted that here um, I'm not sure this is the best implementation of it from my perspective, but but you know credit for making the attempt to blend mediums together. Yeah, I mean they got lazy. They created a bunch of vines which were very well done, and and they kind of recreate some of the classic horror films. And I'll just show those as as I go here. Um, so they recreated Carrie and Poltergeist and Psycho and and Paranormal, mm -hmm. paranormal Activity, and I think that that's. That's innovative, right? I think that, that that's well done. And they could have done it on Vine or Instagram video. Yeah, they the could videos have, are great. The videos are good. Uh, yeah, but then they got lazy. They said, hey, let's throw up a uh, Vine uh, logo and, and uh, take a still of the video that we did. And we'll call that uh, cross, cross channel, right? And, it, and uh, yeah. yeah, so idea good, implementation on the video side, amazing. Um, but this isn't really cross screen. I mean, this is not, this is just taking a screen grab and 
throwing it up as a as another advertising you'll see here this is what it looks like and and so when when you start to think about this this is this is a small step forward i suppose mm -hmm. you know marketers are embracing vine although i don't understand why they're not embracing something like instagram video which has like you know uh, 10 times the activity uh, right now. Uh, we saw this great statistic of Vine vines plummeting the day that Instagram uh, was released and um, Instagram video. So I, this is this is a good start, uh, but I you know it's not really cross uh, it's not really a, you know cross platform at this point. Um, it's just hey let's say it is and and it's really not. But All kudos right. to Tide for doing those videos. Yes, great videos. Yeah, I like those videos. All right, those are the first three stories. Love them or hate them, uh, that's what we got. If you have one that you think that should be in there, the top three stories of the week, you got to reach out. Rob at Untether.tv or Seif at the LBMA.com. We're going to take a break here for our guest, Pete Erickson. Yeah, so earlier this week, I had a chance to uh, to sit down with Pete Erickson, who's the uh, founder of Modev, which is a, uh, a conference that's coming up shortly uh, in uh, McLean, Virginia. Uh, which is focused on app developers and mobile and location and a whole bunch of things. Um, uh, great event, uh, big event uh, that will be at the uh, the Gannett Center there um, coming up later this year. So more on that, and you can find details on that on the LBMA site. Pete is also the uh, founder of Disruptathon, which is a series of uh, contests, hackathons, events. Uh, also, so I mean, this these guys, Pete and his team. Uh, are experts in running conferences and hackathons and all this kind of stuff. And uh, these guys know mobile. They know location. They're all over this kind of stuff. I had a chance to sit down with them, and uh, here it is, Pete Erickson. Well, it's that time of week again where we get to bring on a special guest uh, on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. And today it's Pete Erickson, the founder of both Modev and Disruptathon. Welcome to the show, uh, Pete. Nice to be here, Erickson. Yeah, so why don't you, why don't we just kick things off, maybe tell folks a little bit about what Modev and Disruptathon are. Great, yeah, so uh, Modev is a community organization I founded six years ago to really kind of bring together folks that are, you know, building applications, mobile websites, uh, you name it, um, to really help accelerate, uh, you know, innovation in, in the mobile space. The industry is moving way too fast for any one person or company to keep up with, and the way that we have to learn today is really in a peer-to-peer -peer way, and Modev just seeks to facilitate that, that, that learning. Uh, Disruptathon is another organization I developed to basically identify what are the disruptive innovations across you know, any different industry, whether it's new media, healthcare, clean technology, and we hold events and contests in these, in these various industry segments and, and help identify you know, who are the disruptive players at any given time. So on the Modev front, there's an event coming up shortly, right? Yeah, it's our uh, it's our third annual what we call Modev East. It's one of the largest uh, East Coast uh, mobile developer events, and and when I say mobile developer, it's really a mobile developer, you know, focused event. Of course, we include things like design and management and marketing because those those are all a part of the overall uh, goal. But uh, but really, we we focus on you know hands on getting things done. And that's December 12th to 14th? Yes, yeah, December 12th, 13th, 14th. The 12th is focused on enterprise and UX. The 13th is focused on uh, marketing and monetization. And then on the 14th, we have fun and, and uh, have a hackathon with a bunch of great prizes, including a trip to Vegas 
to participate in the uh, CES hackathon, which I also organize uh, in conjunction with the Consumer Electronics Association. Awesome. So, I mean, you're doing a lot of competitions and, and working with a lot of app developers and hackathons and such. I mean, you must see a great deal of location-based stuff happening. I mean, I mean, that's my world every day. Uh, but I'd love to get your perspective on kind of how you see the energy and, and, and the attitude around, uh, you know, innovation and development in, in the location-based services arena. Yeah, I mean, you almost can't say mobile without location. Um, mobile, by its very nation, uh, by very various nature, is uh, you know is location based. Um, so it's really kind of been a constant uh, since the early days of of app development that um, that you know location is a key component to app development. And companies that have really been able to nail you know location in in many different contexts. Have uh, have been the ones to to really succeed. Okay, and, and so when you look, you know, you put your crystal ball out there. I mean, given all that you see, um, you know, and, and big company or, or or startup. I mean, is there one company that you think is really leveraging uh, mobile and, and app development capabilities and, and kind of driving the innovation at the moment? Well, you know, you can take big company examples like Coca Cola. Um, and you know they are doing some really creative stuff around their vending machines and their their customers and applications. Um, uh, some of it's hit the market, some of it hasn't. But I would say that they are hyper focused as a large organization on on location. But then there are a lot of startups that are really you know starting with a clean slate and saying how do we how do we really leverage location and social. Um, to you know, to create new value and new experiences. Um, the latest example is Social Radar, a company based out of D.C., but they've already you know pre-revenue raised a pretty pretty large amount of money. I think um, twelve and a half million, um, and they are you know building a really compelling story around location and uh, and our social networks, um, and it's really. I think you know my take is when you peel the peel the covers off, it's a big data play, but it's really using location as the as a driving force. Okay, and, and so when you see that happening, and you start to see companies like Coca Cola, it's one of our members. I completely agree; they're doing tons uh, in the space and are very focused on on bringing you know connectivity across you know, devices, vending machines, lo location, social, cross media platforms. Absolutely. Um, is there any concerns that you have? Uh, you know, I mean, in the last couple of weeks, for example, we saw, you know, the Future of Privacy Forum came out with uh, Senator Schumer and all those issues uh, around, you know, new codes of conduct for location sharing and tracking and things like that. What, you know, and, and maybe that's not the issue, but is, is there a particular concern that you see that as app developers, people need to be uh, thinking about? Yeah, I mean the policy concerns are real. I mean, you know, things like the the term "do not track" it plays very well on Capitol Hill and it helps get people elected. But you know, the reality of that is is that it could have a grave consequences on innovation um, for developers that are developing both consumer apps and actually you know very other you know maybe potentially life saving apps in in the healthcare space. So, you know, I I, I myself have spent plenty of time uh, up up on Capitol Hill just given my uh, close proximity to uh, to the hill, and you know, being a part of really educating lawmakers about you know what 
you know, what it really means to try to curb innovation in the area of location. So, yeah, there's, there's, some, there's some real concerns that we have as a, as a, you know, as a developer organization around this area. Um, my, you know, my thing is, is we got to just move forward and keep innovating and show that innovation has so much more value uh, to society and that if there are a few, if there are a few bad apples out there, we got to deal with them. Uh, through you know through other means um, through punitive means, but don't you know don't punish the entire industry um, when the fact that we now have you know these smart devices uh, that that enable you know a myriad of different uh, of different innovative applications um, we really shouldn't curb that. I I do also you know I will say that I I believe privacy is important. I think that um, uh, that. You know, but I do think there are ways that, that that's being dealt with by the industry, and I think that the industry needs to come together and find solutions, which is happening. It's good to see a number of the different um, uh, advocacy organizations coming together to try to you know to work to help solve this in a way similar to the motion picture industry yeah. solved you know the rating system. This this is all doable, and we should not be dictating technology uh, uh, via legislation. Awesome, I completely agree with that sentiment. So. Uh, well, you know, uh, we truly appreciate your time and, and, and taking a few minutes out of your day to come and, uh, and share with our audience your thoughts on uh, on location and, and your environment around Modev and, and Disruptifon. So, again, for our listeners, uh, if you're in the uh, uh, D.C., McLean, Virginia, uh, at the Gannett Center, that's where this uh, Modev is happening December 12th to 14th. Uh, we hope you can make it out there and, and uh, come out and meet Pete. I'll be there as well uh, speaking at the, at the event. So... Uh, Excited about that, uh, and and truly appreciate you taking some time to uh, join us today. So thanks. It's going to be great having you out there, Asif. I think we've got uh, we're going to have well over 500 uh, uh, developers uh, on hand, and uh, and I know a lot of folks are interested in hearing hearing your talk. So we look forward to having you out. Awesome. Well, thanks again for uh, for coming on. Thanks. Cheers. So thanks again to uh, to Pete for doing that. Really appreciate uh, him taking the time. And uh, if you can get out to uh, McLean, Virginia, December twelfth to thirteenth, uh, well, to the fourteenth, if you include the hackathon piece uh, on Saturday, is the uh, is the conference, the Modev conference. So uh, thanks, Pete. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, seeing you in a, in a in a couple months. Yeah. So you can hit that up either at the lbma.com forward slash events or gomodev.com. Yeah. Thanks, Pete, for doing that. Really appreciate your time. All right. Story number four, free Wi-Fi, Asif. Haven't we seen this? <laughs> yes. So this is a company called Aptilo. Uh, and basically they're launching free Wi-Fi uh, based on social media logins uh, and, and delivering, once they build a network around that in terms of, of user base, location-based ad content uh, over this Wi-Fi network. And this is all happening in Peru. Um, yeah, I've seen this because this was my previous business before I launched the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association uh, up here in Canada. So I built a national Wi-Fi network uh, in places like Starbucks and airports and such. Um, you know, had social media login uh, as part of that mix and delivered location-based ads. So <laughs> love this business. These guys, they know exactly what they're doing. They're geniuses. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is a little ahead of your time. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you, and if guys, if you're listening to this and you want to know what it's like after you've built that network, 
give me a call. Uh, I can talk to you about that. And uh, and I sold uh, my business to a Brazilian company, so certainly understand a little bit about the South American market as well. So this is Peru. Uh, this is a market that is completely under by uh, public Wi-Fi. So this makes tons of sense for them to do this. Um, and and to enable login from not just Facebook but Twitter and Google Plus, we didn't have Google Plus back in when I was doing this. Um, so so I like that they're kind of you know it's multiple uh, social platforms that you can you can log in with. Uh, and obviously, I love the fact that they're doing this in in uh, you know restaurant chains, but they're doing this in big venues too. Like they've got the uh, Estadio Nacional, which is the uh, big uh, the big stadium, forty thousand seat stadium in Lima. Uh, as part of this, and they got parks, and they got all kinds of stuff going. This is a, a, a great endeavor by uh, by Aptillo. I like it. Uh, you know, I I think that they, if you can add uh, context to the ads, and that's what they're doing, and uh, free Wi-Fi as a piece to that, I always think that uh, you know we've talked about this so many times before. Is that you know free is never free, and you're either the product or you're paying for it, and uh, part of this. <laughs> I, I often don't log in with my social channels, or I do if maybe it's Twitter that I would do as opposed to LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, you know, I have my preferences there because, um, but this is something that I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued with to see how this works in, in a place like Peru. Very cool. Aptillo. Uh, no. Our fifth story, this is, uh, <laughs> this is actually two stories. And uh, th this is just flights of fancy. I absolutely love this. Um, Esri uh, it has uh, put together, this is the first piece of this, Esri has put together um, what they call the Geography of Horror map, right? Which is basically a map that is overlaid with uh, the famous locations of famous horror movies. You know, like the uh, the hotel from The Shining and, uh, and a whole bunch of other things around, uh, you know, where The Walking Dead was filmed. So this is where it's filmed, all these massive, these great scenes or great horror films. And, and it's mapped out on, uh, on, a, on a map. And I... Uh, I, I like this just simply because um, we talked about we talk about all this this all the time around uh, locations uh, being notified of locations that are relevant to me that I that mm -hmm. I find important. So if I'm doing like a you know the horror tour and I say listen I'm interested in in knowing if I'm standing on a place that actually there was a horror movie filmed at or anything filmed at or a Beatles album or something like that. So I like that they bring all this information together. The the question now is okay now that you got that on the map. Let, let, let me carry that with me so I can be notified of where it is that I am and uh, yes. the relevant historical pieces. So I think that that plays very much um, into uh, into like uh, into findery, right? So like a combination of findery and something that these guys are doing with uh, with uh, the geography horror uh, horror map. And I think that, but it's just a flight of fancy. It just shows you that uh, that this is information that's accessible and we can find it very easily. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really cool, um, and it's 1960s movies till today, yeah. uh, based on IMDb uh, database rankings uh, for these movies, uh, and and the interesting correlation you just made there. So, Findery was launched in Australia, and this is Esri Australia that put this together, not uh, not the head office. So, the, obviously, you know, like uh, the, the, you know, some interesting guy things going on down in there. Um, yeah, so, I like this. This is really cool. And then there's this other little story sticking with sort of Halloween and horror and you might as well talk about cemeteries yes. uh, while we're at that. Um, so not so much about the horror, but uh, but equally about the, uh, you know, providing rich data based on location. Um, so Google, uh, this is not launched yet, but Google has announced that they're going to be mapping uh, with Street View technology Arlington Cemetery. Uh, which is the you know the the big national 
cemetery uh, in the U.S. Um, and uh, there's 600 of this cemetery. This place is huge. Uh, and 400,000 uh, uh, active duty members, veterans, and families uh, whose whose loved ones are, are buried there. Uh, so a lot a lot of folks there, including you know a lot of former presidents, JFK, um, uh, some Supreme Court justices, etc. So uh, a lot of historical stuff going on there. And wouldn't it be great if you can walk around that with a map and actually know what's going on and uh, be able to find you know find rich content around that. So. That that's a great uh, another great initiative by Google. Um, you know, doing something for the greater good. Yeah, and, and uh, they say that you can go and visit uh, Arlington National Cemetery without actually visiting. So you can go in and do a virtual yes. visit, um, and that'll launch May twenty fourteen, I think, for the one hundred and fiftieth anniversary of Arlington National Cemetery. And and one of the one of the interesting pieces to this is that uh, you know there's the, the challenge is keeping up this stuff up to date. Um, you know, it's one thing that uh, that they do with their uh, Street View. Uh, you know, things don't change. Buildings don't come down that often. And if they do, you know, um, it's not every day. But every single day, they say, I think it's between 40 and 50 uh, burials happen at Arlington National Cemetery. Mm. So uh, it's a matter of how do you keep that up to date enough so that the information... Stop fighting wars. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>, this, <laughs> stop killing soldiers. Yes. Um, yes. There, yes, that's exactly it's how you do it. But it's it's a fascinating thing, and, and uh, you know, kudos to Google because there's no commercial value in this, and and um, I think that there's uh, something that's very relevant to this, and and uh, I just I, I like I like that they do these things um, that are for the greater good. So I'm going to read some email or some uh, URLs out to you, just in case you're listening to this and uh, you don't want to come to our websites because these are going to be available. The links to these two places are going to be available on untether.tv for this episode, which is 154 or on the lbma.com. Um, but if you want to go to the Esri map, it's mediamaps.esri.com. That's E-S-R-I.com forward slash geography hyphen of hyphen horror. Geography of horror with hyphens between those. So that's that one. And then if you want to go to um, the Arlington National Cemetery, uh, there's a great video on Mashable.com, uh, which will describe it for you because there's it's not available yet. So there's a there's a great video up there. So just go to Mashable.com and, and do a search for uh, Google Arlington Cemetery, and you'll see those two things. So very cool stories, man. Very Excellent. cool. Flights of fancy. More story. Yep. Um, and by the way, last week, I, I, you know, I was at when I was at Ramp this week, um, and a bunch of people came up to me who watched the show, and they're like, "Dude." That Copenhagen wheel thing that you guys talked about last week is the most is the coolest, most interesting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm like, all right, it was, it so, really was, it really was, it really was. So uh, thanks for all the people who pointed that out. We appreciate that. Um, but this sixth story, um, yeah, I met a guy this week uh, at the conference who was involved uh, on the agency side of of creating this project. Um, and, and this is about a company called. Yi Hao Dian, uh, which is uh, a virtual e-commerce, uh, well, an e-commerce uh, chain uh, retailer, grocery retailer primarily in, in China. And uh, they did a campaign where they launched overnight a thousand stores that exist in augmented reality. Um, and uh, this is just super cool. Um, you know, we've talked before on this show about stuff eMart's been doing in Korea with you know the Wi-Fi balloons, flying them around, and all that. This is different. This is, I mean, it, it's similar, but it's different. It, it's the stores 
that uh, actually have a footprint. Um, so you, you use this app and you go around and you find a store near you. The stores aren't real. They're not really there. They're, um, they exist virtually. And they're actually like not just like hold up your phone and, 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 and there's, a, there's an augmented reality image from you. This is 40 by 40 meters, okay, each of these stores, like almost 500 square feet of store uh, that you actually walk into through your phone and you browse around the store that doesn't really exist and you see product, you see coupons, you see deals and you buy stuff and then like from this from this virtual store and they've got like stores in like Tiananmen Square, <laughs> they've got stores everywhere like this is crazy I love it, 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 it it's uh, it's really neat like over a hundred like a thousand stores and a hundred like a hundred plus of them are like in Beijing alone like I mean this is crazy like it's truly bringing the store to, to the people this takes pop-up stores to a brand new level. Yeah. Do you see this point in time where, where you're basically, you're stand, you're always going to be standing in a store, right? Like that's, that's what's about yeah. to happen. You're always going to be standing in a store. Yeah, I, th I think, I think that's, that's quite possible, right? I mean, we're, you know, we just, uh, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if, if, if you actually had, you know, here's an idea for somebody out there who's listening, like take this, this concept and now think about building a four square type environment where it's basically multiple retailers in the same app, yeah, right? And you just go, oh, like you. So I want Sears today. So here's let me click on here, and now I have virtual Sears store, and you you scroll through again, and now that you know now I got Tesco, you know, and you can walk into the store like virtually, like any of them, all through a single app environment. Like that's pretty interesting. Well, this right? is I don't I don't even have to leave my house. No, exactly. <laughs> I can shop in my underwear. Oh, I do my podcasts in my underwear. Why wouldn't I Walking shop in my through underwear? the store in my underwear? Walking yeah. through my store. Nice visual. Nice visual. Yeah. Well, that's very cool. Those are our six stories. That is our guest. We really appreciate the fact that uh, Pete uh, had enough time to sit down with you. Um, and you can go to gomotive.com to find out a little bit more about the conference coming up on December 12th. At our mobile minute with Chuck Martin about in-store targeting and how it moves merchandise. Our app of the week was findery.com. And now, my friend, it is time to talk about cross-screen as the new mobile first. Like, you know what? We went through that stage, right? It was like, this is our resource. We went through the stage of, um, you know, digital first. And then it was uh, almost very quickly followed by mobile first. And uh, now we're talking about, uh, and I hate that, the omni-channel crap, right? That, that terrible name. But the, the cross-screen is now kind of replacing as a, as a buzzword or a buzz term in, in the marketing world. Uh, is replacing uh, mobile first. Yeah, I mean, this uh, it's an interesting little article. Um, you know, it's, it, I don't like the... the you know the terminology of you know cross screen or anything first for me it's it, it's not about first it's about you know data and blending all these things together and how you know it's it's not about one versus the other it, it's really about you know true truly de developing campaigns that leverage all media types around us and location being the cookie that ties that together i, t I keep talking about that but that's that's how that's how i see it anyways uh uh, but some interesting things here, um, you know, and I, you know, tying this back to the tide thing. That's not truly cross-screen. It's just, hey, we took some cool content we developed on Vine and we try to push it onto a digital screen. But there's some data in here that I think is interesting. Uh, so this uh, recent Millward, Millward Brown, sorry, apologies for that. 38% of consumers would take a mobile action if they saw a television ad, and 36% would use their mobile device if there was a call to action on a print ad. So. The data says yes. Uh, we can we can tie these things together, um, and it does start to make sense to do that. 
uh, I think the challenge we need to be as as marketers, as agency types, as as media buyers, we need to be thinking about you know developing content uh, for each of these mediums that is consistent in message across platform, but actually leverages the capabilities of the unique capabilities of, of each of those devices. So you know when I talk about mobile, for for example, it, it's what I hate about mobile is advertising on mobile is you know we took a banner ad and we shrunk it down and put it on a mobile device and 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 yes maybe we delivered it in a contextual way but it's still not you know a true reflection of what that device can do that use the gyroscope and the compass and other things on that device that aren't available on the TV screen or aren't available on the digital billboard or, or anything else um, and yet the content should be you know, related uh, to you know context and time and what we've done in in other locations and other media. So that's that's kind of how I see it. And uh, but I'm I'm glad to see that somebody's tracking this data and saying that yes, we need to be we need to be looking at, at developing cross cross screen. It's a big challenge, and and you're right, cross screen, um, mobile first, whatever you want to call it. It isn't any of that. It's all of that plus. And I, I yeah. keep bringing Dave Rush up because, like, he he. Is increasing his print spend because he knows that in order to attract somebody from California to Atlantic City, he's got to create more uh, print, and it's going to be a longer decision-making process. And print is one of the pieces of this. And then as you get closer, he does, um, you know, paid-for banner ads, uh, you know, for a number of sites. And then when you get into the confines of the city, he's paying for, uh, you know, ads on on mobile devices to drive traffic to the local uh, local restaurants and local attractions. So he's got that strategy, and it's all of those combined that creates the year for him, right? And and uh, right. and then he's got a T-shirt handing out campaign like he's literally on the boardwalk handing out t-shirts uh so like you you talk about like that's exactly what we're talking about right yeah like it's it's unbelievable so uh it's not just cross screen or or mobile first or banner ads or television it's like it's everything that you need to be able to do packaged that it tells a seamless story that attracts the right people from the right place to do what you need to do to get their business right Agreed. So that can be found. Uh, that's a, at. Uh, are we posting that on the resources page on uh, the other? Yes, day? Yeah. we will post that uh, as well as the uh, the link for the uh, geography of horror. Of course, you can go to the untether.tv uh, and find episode number 154 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing to be able to find all the links and uh, references that we use in this show as well. In a very handy way, you can actually click to the stories. If you didn't know that, if you've never been to the untether.tv, you can actually just, if you only want to hear one story again, you can actually click on that story, uh, you know, a time uh, a timestamp, and listen to just that one story. But I don't know why you'd want to just skip all the rest. You, you gotta just listen. listen to the whole thing. Listen it's all good. Thing. That is it for episode number 154. We will be back next week for episode number 155. Uh, so until then, have a safe week, a safe, safe travels. We'll see you next time on This Week in Location-Based Marketing. <laughs>